1: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Daily Face Off Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top notch insight and analysis. Live every weekday at noon Eastern.
0: Welcome into a June 14th edition of the Daily Face Off Show. Tyler Remchuk and Mike McKenna here with you. And uh, come on, let's go. Let's get to the Stanley Cup Final. Mike, I'm sick of the off days.
2: I feel like I'm running at an incredible pace trying to get to the tomorrow's oh. game faster. It's just it's taking forever, oh. man. Like, I don't know. I have actually, I haven't mind. It's been kind of nice to have a day or two off to just prep a little bit and decompress because this next week's going to be a whirlwind with the Cup Final.
0: Yeah, it is. And it's good. We're we're setting up what should be a fantastic series. So let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and dig into today's sort of angle on uh, our Stanley Cup final preview. And we're going to call these first two segments the edge where we'll break down which teams or each team and and where sort of the big differences lay, where their advantages are in this matchup. And we're going to start with the Colorado Avalanche. Mike, when you look at how the Avs are built and who they're going up against, what are the key areas where the Avalanche have an edge in this series? There's two things
2: that I see that the Avalanche can exploit, or will try to, at least against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and that's rush chances and power play. Two things that the Avalanche have been really good about all season long, and when you think about the rush, you know, for the Avalanche, really a lot of it revolves around McKinnon and his line, but it's more than that. It's Lekkanen, it's Comfer, and then you think about the D's ability to be up in the play. You've got Makar, Taves, Byram. These are all mobile defensemen, and the only team that was able to slow down the Colorado Avalanche on the rush was the st louis blues that was it so when you look at that combination of players against the lightning i think that's something that they'll be able to to still have success with and and, you know tampa won that series against the rangers with traffic and hard work not rush chances so i think this is in colorado's favorite in their favor and then i look at the power play tyler i mean colorado is at 31.1 they're leading the nhl in the postseason so far whereas Tampa Bay is at 22.6. Now, there has been a little bit of a decrease there. All right, so Colorado was at 25% in the third round against Edmonton, and then Tampa Bay was at 21.4 against the Rangers. So you would expect that to improve for Tampa with Point coming back into the lineup. Same with the rush chances. But these two areas, Tyler, I really do think favor the avalanche. They will lean heavily on their rush and on their power play.
0: Yeah, it's interesting if you go back and sort of watch the goals these two sides scored. Colorado, you right, seemed to do it a lot by freewheeling, right? Getting into the offensive zone with speed. And I'm not just talking about skating in with speed. You mentioned their blue line. Their ability to just snap pucks up the ice and get into the offensive zone quickly and clear through the neutral zone in the blink of an eye. Like It was a lot for a team like the Edmonton Oilers to handle in re- in the Western Conference Final. Tampa Bay a little bit more structured, right? And I wonder how one, Tampa's structure will be able to defend it. And if Colorado is going to be able to adapt a little bit, because you're right, they do, they are tremendous off the rush. But against Tampa, is that going to be enough or is Colorado maybe going to have to change things up a little bit? I think early in the series with Colorado being the home team, I give them even more of an advantage. Maybe they can play the matchup game. A little bit, but the adjustments throughout the series, I mean, that's where Tampa Bay killed the Rangers, right? When they got a feel Mm -hmm. for their opponent and bang, they made those adjustments. Let's move on to the lightning side of that. Where do you think they have a bit of an advantage here? Well,
2: defensively, I think the Lightning have been the best team in, so far in playoffs. And it's not just because of goaltending. And we'll dig on that, dig in on that in a little bit and how Andre Vasilevsky's played. I just feel that the Tampa Bay Lightning have been completely bought in. And it's defensive structure. It's intangibles. It's things that don't necessarily go into the metrics or the advanced analytics. And the, the, the Tampa Bay Lightning have an entire ethos to them, Tyler. They have a mental advantage. The nervousness isn't there. They've been there. They've done that. They have that whole ethos of blocking shots and doing what it takes to win. And that results in what you see up on the screen just now. You know, look at the penalty kill for both of these clubs. Tampa Bay Lightnings have been, it's been outstanding in the penalty, or sorry, in the playoffs. But the one thing about the Lightnings to keep an eye on here, it did dip against the Rangers. Okay. They weren't as good on the penalty kill against them. It's something that you, the the Colorado Avalanche are definitely going to try to exploit, uh, and Colorado has been pretty good on the kill as well. They were really good against Edmonton, so you want to see how that matches up against Tampa Bay. But 5-on-5, five five, this is it, Tyler. 5-on-5, five five, Tampa Bay has been unbeatable in the postseason. They've only allowed 24 goals against in 17 games. When you compare that to Colorado, who's allowed 29 goals in 14 games, you see that stark difference. And I think that that lineup, especially look when you look at the Sorelli, Sorelli line with Kalorn and, and Hagel's been there as well. And Nick Paul, some of these additions, they've been so good defensively when matched up against the best players on the other team. Sorelli's line shut down Zabana Jad. Will he be able to do that against Nathan McKinnon and company? That's what we need to find out. It's going to be a tough matchup, but I think it's something that Colorado has yet to face outside of the St. Louis series. So, when you combine those two, I think the intangibles, defensive structure are in Tampa Bay's favor, but the penalty kill is wild card for either team.
0: Yeah, actually, we had a great uh, Stanley Cup final preview on the DFO rundown earlier this week when former Avs forward Matt Calvert joined the show. And he said he was talking to his former teammate, Pierre Edouard Bellamar, who's now on the Tampa Bay side of this matchup. And he asked him, you know, what makes Tampa so good with that blue line specifically? And Belmar said it's predictable in the best sense, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're very disciplined with their structure. A lot of times you hear discipline and you just think, oh, they stay out of the box well. No, they're disciplined in the way they play their system. And he said that blue line specifically. Every zone exit, it's D to D, up to the winger, out of the zone. D to D, it's almost like you're watching the same play over and over and over again. And, you know, yeah. Colorado's going to forecheck harder than, you know, maybe any opponent Tampa Bay's faced has. But that D is going to be so important for Tampa Bay, like not letting Colorado keep pucks in their end and just keep the play moving out of their zone. The D for Tampa is a huge edge for me.
2: It is. And it's also how Tampa Bay's gotten better throughout each series. Their game has progressed, which to me shows that they're a quick study, they're quick learners, and they take everything that John Cooper's telling them and they put it into action. That is an intangible that not every team has.
0: Let's take a look at. It. We're going to switch gears a little bit here, but we're going to keep our focus on the final four teams in the Stanley Cup playoffs for a second. Looking back, using hindsight, which GMs improved their teams the most? during the season and this is maybe even a little bit of a confidence check heading into the summer for some teams but when you look at the teams who are the final four it's actually pretty apparent that in-season additions are huge in the top left you have the oilers evander kane was massive brett kulak was arguably their best defenseman in the postseason for the rangers again even though these teams lost out Cop was huge, Vitrano they got for basically nothing, and he played top-line minutes for them consistently mm-hmm. since he jumped over. And then even for the abs, Lekinen huge, scores the goal that sends them to the cup final. Josh Manson's been great stabilizing that second pairing for them. And for the Lightning, you get those young energy pieces in Nick Paul, who was huge in Game 7 against Toronto. Brandon Hagel started to look more and more comfortable. It's clear that these GMs, their fingerprints are all over these these trips to the Final Four for these four teams.
2: Yeah. And it just shows that you have to do what it takes towards the end of the regular season at the trade deadline, mid season, to make your team that much better you know think about the new york rangers up against the pittsburgh penguins and the additions that the rangers made cop and Vitrano, they made a massive difference in that series ricard raquel Mm -hmm. i mean he wasn't available for much of it but pittsburgh largely stood pat and they just simply weren't good enough on paper for me like you have to be able to make these additions it's a reason why manipulating that salary cap is so important to give yourself some availability when you get towards the line but also look at these two teams in the final here tyler you've got colorado with Arturi Lekkinen, who's a restricted free agent. That's important because that gives Joe Sackick a chance to retain talent that's been very important for him. lekkinen has been fantastic in playoffs. And you also look at Tampa Bay. Brandon Hagel couple years left on a deal at a really team-friendly salary structure like that's huge nick paul has been a great addition i wouldn't be surprised to see him stick around in tampa this is the big leagues when it comes to being a general manager not just getting the player that you want for a short time frame but also being able to retain them that's where chris drew is going to have his work cut out for him this summer can he keep copper vitrano does he want to with the salary cap that remains to be seen and there's one team out there who tyler i don't think did enough in the right ways and that was calgary Okay. Calgary picked up centerman. They got yarn That deal didn't work out. They got Ryan Carpenter. He didn't even play to fully disappeared. They needed a defenseman really bad. We heard that all along. They were in on Ben Sherratt. They didn't pull the trigger on a D. And when Chris Tanov was hurt in playoffs, it really hurt the Calgary Flames against Edmonton. So just further examples of what's necessary that teams need to do when they're leading towards
0: the playoffs. And along those lines, the one team who I kind of looked at and went like, ooh, did you do enough in the right areas was the Minnesota Wild. Like, yeah, they went out and got flurry. They went and got the big sexy goalie edition. It's like, okay, well, we actually had Cam Talbot, who was an all-star. You know, maybe that pick you used and the money you used there would have been better served somewhere else in your lineup. And the other team that caught my attention from not doing enough was the LA Kings. You know, the Oilers made the Western Mm -hmm. Conference final but they were pushed to seven games by the LA Kings and I know the mindset around the Kings or at least with their fan base was hey we're happy to be here this is a big step forward for us just making the playoffs but you know they have all their or they have a pick in every round in both of the next two drafts i think they have two thirds in 2023 as well you know maybe if you would have sacrificed one of those picks and gotten a defenseman who could have helped fill the Drew Doughty void a little bit a good veteran D man or picked up an extra layer of forward depth you, know, you might have made it out of the first round and you can talk about the great experience of just getting to the playoffs how about the great experience for your young guys of getting to learn what a grind through one round and then a second round of the stanley cup playoffs can be like so the wild and kings were the two teams for me mike who i looked at and went i don't think you did enough or maybe the gm would like a bit of a mulligan on their deadline plans
2: Yeah. And I think you can look at the Rangers. You know, this is a team that wasn't very different from for me than the L.A. Kings. I know the Rangers. Listen, they got the X factor in Shasturek, an unbelievable goaltender. Mm. But in terms of skill, depth, everything, Kings, Rangers, they weren't that different. And Rangers went for it and the Kings pretty much stood pat. So it'll be interesting to see what Rob Blake does in this offseason because they've got some holes to fill going into next year.
0: Let's stick with the offseason talk here and continue our down and out series. Today we are zeroing in on the Vancouver Canucks and what an interesting season it was for the Vancouver Canucks. They start just terribly under Travis Green. They let him go. Bruce, there it is, happens. And look at that. A 649 points percentage since they made the coaching change back on December 5th. It looked like, you know, there's some positive things going on there. They got Jim Rutherford as their poho now. They got Patrick Alvine as the GM. They're, they're looking to maybe take that next step, get back into the playoffs. And while the end of the season was encouraging, the vibe I'm kind of getting from reading the reports out of Vancouver is that Jim Rutherford, I heard the term country club is how he described the locker room or how how some reports describe the locker room. Sounds like they want to make some big changes. And I look at what they have going on there. You know, Horvat, Pedersen, Demko, Hughes, they're probably safe. But is it fair to safe Mike? Everyone else should maybe have a bag packed.
2: Yeah. I mean, like, listen, this is what Jim Rutherford does, man. He's a horse trader. And it, you don't take, take over an organization uh, that's been struggling and just walks in and go, well, we got a new coach. I think we're good to go here. Like, that is not the case with the Vancouver Canucks. They, there's a reason why that team struggled for a while. And, you know, if, if you feel like the team isn't where you want it to be from a chemistry standpoint, you got to shake it up or maybe he's just saber rattling whatever he whatever Jim Rutherford's doing he's trying to wake the players up here and trying to put them on blast and saying we're not going to accept this now let's not forget Patrick Alvin is also there as the general manager of the team this is a two headed monster running the club we understand that and you touched on the the players who are probably not going anywhere but you know you could probably add Oliver Ekman Larson to that mix he's got a full no move clause man like moving that deal yeah good luck dude like it's not going anywhere unless it's it's just not okay so if they're trying to change the makeup of that club, there's a couple players like Brock Besser, $7.5 million qualifying offer. Maybe it gets one year of that and then you see from there, but you got to figure out long term Horvat's up in a year. I, mean, I don't think he's going anywhere as captain. But look at Tyler Myers. I mean, six million dollar defenseman, right hand shot. That's got some value on the market. Is that somebody you'd be willing to move on a team that still needs defensive help? I don't know. So I think the biggest challenge for Rutherford and Alvin is to really round out that bottom six. And they've desired they've had, they've had the desire for sandpaper. Well, you got some sandpaper in Connor Garland, but they want cheap sandpaper. OK, they, they don't want two and a half million dollars sandpaper. They don't want Beagle back. They don't want Roussel back. What they want is players from within their organization and they're not coming. You know, look at Tater Genoa in Nashville. That's who Jim Rutherford wants. And it's not there. And that's why you have to draft and develop. So uh, I, I think it'll be an interesting offseason. And I I do expect the Canucks to take a swing. OK, I'm not sure who it's going to be. I don't know if J. Two Miller will be the guy that'll be headed out the door with that contract. Uh, but I sure wouldn't want to lose him because I still think the Canucks are knocking on the door of playoffs, Tyler.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the Pacific Division is going to be wide open again next year because it always is. Yeah. Um, but I, it'll be interesting to see how they can create cap space. We saw Jason Dickinson was on Frank's list of potential buyout candidates. But when I hear, OK, you got to add sandpaper, but also you want to change up the vibe of the locker room. To me, you can't do that just by like going out and signing Nick Delorier as a UFA, right? Like to me, if you want to both add sandpaper and change up the room, you got to make a big fundamental change to like your top six. And to me, that leads to, you know, maybe you do have to move on from a Besser. Miller, it would feel mm-hmm. counterproductive to move on from him. But maybe if they're really trying to do that kind of culture shock thing, you do need to, you know, kind of gulp and go, okay, we're moving on from a piece that maybe we like, but we think the benefits of a change are just greater. If there's
2: anybody who's ever been willing to take a swing it's Jim Rutherford. He did it in Carolina. He did it in Pittsburgh. Like he's not afraid to go out and make the bold decision. So if there's any team to keep an
0: eye on this summer for maybe the big hockey trade, it might be out west in Vancouver. We talked about how the final four teams in the Stanley Cup Finals, their GMs, their fingerprints all over those rosters. It'll be fascinating to see how Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvine put their fingerprints all over this Canucks roster over the next six to eight weeks here. Uh, let's move along and get back to the Stanley Cup Finals and preview the matchup between the pipes for these two in another edition of the Blue Paint. Mm-hmm.
1: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: Another edition of the Blue Paint delivered by our friends over at DoorDash. With the Stanley Cup Finals starting tomorrow, it makes sense that we're going to dig in to this matchup a little bit, Mike. I want to start with the Colorado Avalanche where there's a little bit of chatter of, okay, Fran has been great. Kemper is kind of your guy, though. Who do you go with it? They're both available for game one. What do you make of the situation between the pipes in Denver?
2: I'd be really surprised if Darcy Kemper wasn't the starting goaltender for the Colorado Avalanche. Joe, GM Joe Sackick went out and spent a first round pick to obtain him from the Arizona Coyotes last offseason. And he's your four and a half million dollar guy. He, he's been a, a number one goaltender in the NHL for several years. He's who the Avalanche brought in to be trusted with this role. And here's the thing. Francis has done his job in playoffs. He's six and zero. Oh. But he has—he's played Nashville. He played Edmonton when they weren't great. Like the eye test wasn't that strong on Francois against Edmonton. He made some huge saves, but he also struggled laterally and on high shots. He'd get so low and wide and locked in. And I don't think there was a ton of confidence in what I was seeing. And when you've seen Kemper throughout the year, there were stretches where he was dominant for Colorado. He had a tough start to the season, no doubt. It's not easy to change teams, find your new environment, and get used to it and succeed. But he did by around you know Thanksgiving, Christmas time. Kemper started to roll. So he has got to get to that 921 save percentage mark that he had in the regular season. If you're Darcy Kemper, you've got to improve past the 897 that he's posted so far in playoffs, but he's been winning games. So here's the factor, like Kemper really hasn't been tested much and he hasn't been able to find his rhythm. Can he find that right away if he's the starting goaltender for the Colorado Avalanche in game one? And I look at his skating, I look at his mobility, Kemper's not the greatest skater. Sometimes he drifts between positions. Sometimes his puck tracking suffers because of that. If he has spent the last couple weeks coming off of his injury, working on his footwork, making sure that he is in top form when it comes to his precision and his explosiveness and making small adjustments to stay square, I think that is critical for Darcy Kemper. And the cool part that you can look at here is that he's four and two lifetime against the Tampa Bay Lightning, nine twenty save percentage. So that bodes well for Kemper, for Kemper and the Avalanche. But there are still the question marks. He's been hurt eye injury against Nashville Predators. He's injured again with an upper body injury against Edmonton. Will Kemper be the guy? Will be at a, be Will he be at one hundred percent or? do they have to go to pavel Francouz, who's done nothing but win but only at a 906 percentage tyler it's going to be interesting to see what happens
0: like when i hear you your breakdown of the avalanche it seems like there's just a lot of question marks right health who's gonna start mm-hmm. what kind of goal are you gonna see when you look at the other side of this matchup there are no question marks at all there's just nothing but really explanation points with the way andre vasilevsky is playing he really it feels like he's at the top of his game it doesn't it
2: Yeah, you know, for a lot of it, he has been so far. This playoff has just been a continuation of what's expected from Andre Vasilevsky's 928 save percentage is pretty eye catching. But it's it's amazing how his game improves in playoffs. You know, historically in the regular season, he's a 918, 920 goaltender. You get him in playoffs. Right up. That's because he's the best money goalie on earth. There's no other way to say it. He, he's won 11 straight series clinching games. He's had six shutouts in those, and it's an NHL record. And this guy's 27 years old, man. So I, I think what we're looking at with Vasilevsky is somebody who has such a strong mental approach to the game, Tyler, that he could allow nine goals in the first game and it wouldn't phase him. I mean, he allowed nine in the first two against the Rangers. And he came back and he was lights out like he's so mentally strong. But there are a couple things to keep in mind here. OK, Vassilovsky's got a really tough time. High blocker side like it's been pointed out in playoffs this year about it being a, a tough spot for him. And it's true. He's allowed 20 goals. High blocker side. So I think that's something that'll try to be clued in on by the avalanche. But you also have to look at how the Rangers generated goals against Vasi. Like they did it by moving the puck quickly through the middle of the ice and getting the puck off their blade Fast. Putting shots in the middle of the net's not good enough on Vasilevsky because he's so explosive and because he's such good eye contact with the puck that he always gives himself a chance. He's rarely swimming and out of the net. So you've got to be good with your shot placement. They've got to be inside the posts. And something that's going to give Colorado a little bit of mental energy, I think, is that Vasilevsky only has one win against the Avalanche in five tries during his career and an 877 save percentage. That's his lowest against any team in the National Hockey League, Tyler. So does that factor? Do we see the Vasi that we've seen against Colorado previously, or do we see playoff crazy-eyed Andre Vasilevsky that, that we've seen for the last three seasons? Tampa knows exactly what they're getting at Andre Vasilevsky. The Avalanche don't. They have question marks, as you said. This is going to be fascinating from the goaltending standpoint, and, and I truly believe that either team that hoists the Stanley Cup we'll see their goaltender steal at least one game in the series.
0: Yeah. And you usually do need that over the course of a best of seven. You got me thinking a little bit though, when you talk about how okay the Rangers scored by zipping the puck around the offensive zone and quick shots, you look at McKinnon, you look at Rantanen, you even look at the blue line with Taves and McCarr. This is a Colorado team who, when their big guns are on the ice, they can shoot the puck quickly, right? They can zip it around the offensive zone. And that makes me you know wonder a little bit about this matchup. So give me like, we know there's question marks in colorado and the sure thing is in tampa bay you know if kemper is at a 905 and vasilevsky at a 920 over the course of the series do you think colorado can still win like does kemper my question is does kemper have to be the better goalie for colorado to win or can the abs find a way to sneak this out with the second best goalie in the series so far that hasn't been the case in playoffs
2: the colorado avalanche basically and this is i don't mean this to be insulting to Kemper or Francois but they needed a warm body in the net who didn't ruin things for them. Okay. That's true against Nashville. It's true against Edmonton. They got pushed by St. Louis a little bit. This is where you're really going to see it because I don't think that the Avalanche can win with 905 goaltending against the Tampa Bay Lightning, against a team that can lock it down and grind it out and win three to one, three, two games when they need to. If this turns into a track meet, it's all over for Colorado. I think you're going to have to see minimum 910, 915 goaltending for them to have a chance.
0: Yeah, it's interesting when you look at who Colorado's had to run through, right? It was Ingram and Riddick. It was Huso, who was subpar once Binnington went down, and then it was Mike Smith and a little sprinkle of Miko Koskinen in there. Those names are very far down the list compared to where Andre Vasilevsky sits as you know, probably the number one goalie in the NHL. Fascinating stuff. Great insight as always, Mike. This has been another edition of the Blue Paint delivered by DoorDash promo codes DFODD and DFODDUS get you twenty five percent off and no delivery fees on your first order. <laughs> Moving along to our daily faceoff inbox question, hashtag askdfo. And Mike, I want to ask you, which injured player impacts their team's chances of winning this series more? Nazam Kadri or Braden Point? I think
2: it's Nazam Kadri. Now, and that's not to take anything away from Braden Point, who's by all ostensible purposes, probably the best player I think all around on the Lightning. He'll help the rush game. He'll help their power play for sure. But where Cadre makes the biggest difference is being that true number two centerman for the Colorado Avalanche in creating mismatches. You know, he. You look at how good he was against St. Louis, and I keep referring to that series because it was the best team that Colorado's faced yet in terms of matchup. And Kadri was a huge decider in that series because O'Reilly. And McKinnon largely canceled themselves out. And I look at Sorelli and McKinnon and wonder in this series if they'll cancel out. So does the depth take care of it? I don't think Braden Point's going to play center right off the bat. I'd expect him on the wing. Whereas if Kadri's in the lineup, man, I I don't know if you run Kadri anywhere at center. Even with a busted up thumb, man, I I just feel like that's where he may end up. So I'd put it for Kadri because I think his all-around game is so important for Colorado. Whereas Point, we've seen Tampa Bay win without him even though he gives him that much more of a boost.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you. My take on it is that Brighton points the better player of the two, and I don't think that's really much of a debate. But when you look at who's more important to their group, it's Kadri. The way he affects the PK, the power play, all of that. The way him as that mm-hmm. second line center can give you a really, really good second scoring line if you pair him up with Miko Rantanen and it shifts everyone else down in the lineup to a really, really nice spot. Kadri's more important based on what we've heard it sounds like Brain Points probably going to be in the lineup for game 1 and Nazem Kadri if we see him at all in this Stanley Cup final it's going to be mid or late in the series it's definitely not going to be in the first two games so it will be fascinating to see you know if we end up seeing Kadri and what his impact could be later in the series because you know that could be a huge boost for Colorado you know, Tampa Bay has, they've proven over this playoff run, they get better as the series goes on. If Colorado can mitigate that a little bit by having a guy like Kadri come back to the lineup, even if he's only at 60, 70%, I think that could give them a pretty big boost, Mike.
2: Yeah, I think they need him straight up. I don't think there's any way around it. Colorado needs him. Even Andrew Cogliano, like another player who's out with an injury. He's been great on the fourth line for the avalanche and there's not much out of Tampa. It's It's point. That's it yeah and, and colorado's made up for gerard being out because they're so deep on defense they have people that can move the puck but that second line centerman role cadre would make a big difference
0: for colorado let's move on to our daily bets segment courtesy of our friends at points bet canada and yes the 2022 stanley cup hasn't even been handed out yet but there's no games tonight and points bet has the odds up for next year's stanley cup winner already so i'm gonna jump into that right now i know it's wild mike it's wild at the top it's predictable the colorado avalanche i mean they were the pretty much the wire to wire favorites this season sitting right around that plus 450 mark and they're right back there for next season stanley cup they got some cap space the roster will look a little bit different but colorado will still be a wagon next year the leafs at number two on the list that's more or less kind of a public money thing you know you don't want to price them too low because that leaves the sports books a little bit too vulnerable tampa bay at ten to one Makes sense. Florida at 11 to 1 is interesting because I really wonder how they're going to handle their cap gymnastics this summer. But my favorite bet as we scroll down here, you see the Hurricanes, the wild, and even with the dead cap space, I, I wouldn't have the wild that high. The Oilers at 16 to 1 should be an interesting off season Vegas at 16 to 1 is actually a pretty intriguing spot because if they start next season healthy and they get a bit of a new coach bump, I wonder what the Vegas Golden Knights could do in that Pacific division. But my favorite bet, if you want to jump the market early, I am eyeing up those new york rangers at 20 to 1. they have young players who could take steps forward you know igor shesterkin is still going to be good next season their blue line is good and it's young so it's realistic to expect them to be better as well it might be hard for them to bring back a guy like andrew kopp and you know improve their forward roster through trades or free agency but i just look at the young talent on this team Lafrenier, Cheadle, Kako, that kid line that was so good. If they take a step forward and some of the young blue liners like Schneider and Miller take a step forward and Shusterkin is himself, I think 20 to 1 is tremendous value here. I think it points next season. If they get off to a hot start, October, November, you could see them right up around that 10 to 1 number. I mean, this team made the final four last year and they're being priced equivalent to a team like Boston. Boston should be taking a big step back next season. So I love the Rangers at 20 to one. That is my favorite bet. Um, Alex, quickly, could we scroll all the way to the bottom? Just just if, the, if there's people out there who maybe like taking a little bit of a lottery ticket, could we see what the Arizona Coyotes are priced at as the dead last team? Montreal, San Jose, Seattle, Arizona. There we go. What are you getting? 500, five hundred five thousand to one on the Yotes doesn't matter they're not winning the cup but just for the sake you can see the drop off even from seattle to a team like arizona it's a uh, pretty substantial mike
2: well what do you think about winnipeg at about 10 million to one it looks like there. i think that was at ten thousand. like what if winnipeg lands barry trots man like i wouldn't count them out either but you know who's salivating at your rangers pick is our own chris gear who had a piece mm. out picking the New York Rangers as next year's Stanley Cup champion. So I I would keep an eye on him when it comes to his own points bet and see if he's got that same tune about (laughs) midway through next season. Yeah,
0: that's a good point. Uh, Let's wrap up the show with a little bit of garbage time. Mike, what do you got?
2: Well, you know, I started my career in the ECHL, and I'm proud to have done that. Okay, It was a great stepping stone for me with the Las Vegas Wranglers. I think I can actually, super quick here, just do one of these. Hey, hey, check it out. Look at that. You got dice on the bottom and all that. What a league, man. Like. I had so much fun playing in the ECHL. I had, I had no pressure. It was purely for the fun of it. And the reason I'm bringing it up is that the Florida Everblades a couple nights ago were crowned the ECHL champions. They knocked off the Toledo walleye uh, to be the 2020, 2022 Kelly Cup champions. And I think that people sometimes sleep on this league. Remind yourselves. Last season, 2021 season, Tanner Janot played games in the ECHL. Look at what he did for the Nashville Predators this year. There is good hockey all throughout North America, double-A level, the triple-A level with the American Hockey League. And uh, and on a personal level, give a shout-out to Ben Masella, St. Lawrence University graduate who won the Kelly Cup with the Florida Everblades. So I'm always happy to see it. And anybody who's ever won one of these these championships, Tyler will tell you, no matter the level, it is still one of the coolest memories and coolest experiences of your life to go through an entire playoff and have to grind and finally be a champion at the end of the year, whether it's the UCHL, the NHL, the AHL, you guys are brothers for life
0: when you do that.
2: I never had the chance. I came close a couple times. It's just a really cool moment. So congrats to Florida Everblades.
0: And uh, throughout this week, we'll also be getting set for what could be a very exciting American Hockey League final as well. Right, Mike, we're getting close to our final two there.
2: Yeah. And, you know, you've got um, two teams that will be moving on pretty closely here. The uh, one series is just about to wrap up at three to three, going to game seven, the other at three, two. So uh, another one to keep an eye on, the Calder Cup is just around the corner for the American Hockey League, which features a lot of players that will be seen in the NHL as soon as next season.
0: We'll be talking about that a little bit later on in the show. And tomorrow it is finally game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So we will have a full preview with Frank Cervale here on the Daily Face Off Show. Thanks for tuning in. That is all the time we got. Mike's got the Wranglers jersey. We had a good time today. We'll be back tomorrow. The rang. We'll Because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear. And you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.